Hello, and welcome to the Carl Road Baptist Church podcast. Be sure to listen all the way through to the end of the episode for additional info on where to find more resources for past sermons, as well as how to watch us live each Sunday if you can't join us in person at our Columbus, Ohio location. Let's prepare to hear this week's sermon and listen for what God is saying to you and what he wants to do in your life. Max Licato, Christian author and speaker, wrote the following. It's 2.30 in the morning and you can't sleep. You roll from one side to the other, you pound your pillow and nothing helps. Everyone else sleeps. Your spouse has entered a world of a dreamland. Your dog is curled up in a lump at the foot of the bed. Everyone else sleeps, but not you. It's 2.30 in the morning, and in six hours, you start a new job, a new chapter, a new season, a new era in life. You'll be the rookie on the sales team. You're wondering if you've made the right decision. After all, the hours are going to be long, the competition is severe, and the economy is beginning to struggle. Besides, you're 23 years old, you're right out of college. Maybe you're 33 years old and you've got a couple of kids at home and a family to worry about. You're 33 years old, or you're you're 43 years old and you're the latest victim of layoffs and downsizing. You're 53 years old. This is not the perfect time for restarting in life and, and starting over with a new career. Maybe you're 63 years old and you're wondering what happened to retirement and time with the grandkids. Regardless of the age, anxiety can come like a tornado through an open plain, sucking every vestige of hope. So it's 2.30 in the morning, and it becomes 3.30, and you still haven't slept. The only light in the room is the green light that comes from your alarm clock. The only light in your life. All of a sudden, a new strain of worry enters your mind, You feel a twitch in the back of your neck. Oh no, it's a tumor. Just great, just like Grandpa. I knew this, I knew my time was coming. I wonder if the insurance will kick in in time to cover the chemotherapy. Who's gonna take care of the kids? And anxiety begins to overwhelm you and have its way with you. Another hour passes, another two hours pass. Night becomes morning. You cover your head with the pillow and you feel like crying. What a mess. What does all this anxiety mean? All this insecurity, all this trepidation, all this worry, all this restlessness, what does it mean? Well, it means simply this. You're a human being. You're not stupid. You're not emotionally defective. You're not underdeveloped. You're not immature. Your parents didn't fail you, and you certainly didn't fail your parents. And I want you to understand that this anxiety, this fear in your life does not mean that you're not a Christian. Christians battle anxiety. Jesus certainly did. In the Garden of Gethsemane on the night before his crucifixion, he prayed the cup of suffering would be taken away from him. And he prayed with such ferocity that the blood vessels, the capillaries in his forehead actually burst and droplets of blood rolled down his face. 
Jesus battled anxiety. He faced fears. He fought through his fears and surrendered them to God and fulfilled his mission, and anxiety did not win in his life. Such is God's plan for you. Anxiety comes with life, but it does not have to dominate your life. God's plan for you is not a life drenched in anxiety. It's his will that you and I would learn to live a life that is characterized not by fear, not by chaos, but calm, by peace and not panic. The Apostle Paul shows us how to overcome this fear and anxiety and to live a life defined by gentleness, peace, and contentment. Our text today is going to be Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 and 7. And I invite you to turn with me there in your Bibles now. I want to walk us through this morning and learn uh, Paul's blueprint for a life of fearless contentment. And what I'd like to do is actually start a couple of verses early in verse 4. So follow with me if you would in uh, Philippians chapter 4, verses 4 through 7. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. A study of 200,000 incoming freshmen stated the following. Students reported all-time lows in overall mental health and emotional stability. One psychologist noted that the average child exhibits the same level of anxiety today as the average psychiatric patient in the 1950s. Kids today have more toys, more opportunities, more clothing than ever before. But by the time they entered college, they're riddled with anxiety and self-doubt. They're just tense. A doctor receives a new patient, and the patient tells him, Doctor, I'm in trouble. Last night I dreamed I was a teepee, and the night before I dreamed I was a pup tent. The doctor said, Well, that's easy. You're too tense. I'm glad you laughed at that, because I didn't want to have to explain it. We're all just too tense. We spend too much time worrying about yesterday and tomorrow, and what we end up doing is we miss God's opportunity, that what God is trying to do in our lives today. So what is anxiety? Well, John Piper defines anxiety by saying, Anxiety seems to be an intense desire for something accompanied by a fear of the consequences of not receiving it. Worry is imagining life in its worst case scenario and then freaking out about it. Ouch. Guilty. We get so wrapped up in what we think life should look like and when reality doesn't match our plans, we begin to spiral. 
Now understand there's a fundamental difference between what I would call being worried about something and what I would call being alarmed about something. See, worry is stress about things that are out of our control. What are the next 12 months of my life going to look like? What type of career are my kids going to have someday? How many grandkids will I have? Worry does no good because it pulls our minds in all types of directions and it causes us to obsess over things that may or may not actually happen. It makes us focus on what if. Alarm is different. See, alarm can actually be a good thing. We have alarm clocks. Alarm clocks wake us up in the morning and remind us it's time to go to work. Okay, so maybe alarm clocks aren't the greatest thing. <laughs> but they serve a purpose. They serve a good purpose. An alarm can be the Holy Spirit's way of warning us about something. Occasionally an alarm will go off in our minds reminding us that we forgot to take the trash out. Or that one of the kids has a dentist appointment coming up. Or an alarm could warn us about something dangerous in our life. A situation that just really feels uncomfortable and suspicious. Did I turn the oven off? Did I actually close the garage door when I left or did I just think that I did? Hmm. Did I unplug the iron before we left on that vacation? Worry and alarm are they're differences. There's good and bad differences. In 2 Corinthians 11.28, Paul mentions having concern or anxiety for the churches. This means that he cared about the people, about the work being done, about everyone's spiritual future and well-being. The Bible wants us, in fact commands us, to worry, to have anxiety for people's souls. This anxiety should inspire or call us to perform our responsibilities as Christians. But hear this, negative worry is much different. This type of anxiety carries with it self-defeating, persistent thoughts throughout the day. It leads to heart issues, stomach problems, and worst of all, a mistrust in God. This negative anxiety says that we are essentially telling God that he isn't capable enough, not powerful enough, not big enough, and not sovereign enough to handle our problems. God, my problems are just way too big for you. This type of crushing anxiety happens when we condition ourselves to believe lies. We believe lies about ourselves. We believe lies about the world around us. And worst of all, we, be, we begin to believe lies about God. The Greek word that Paul uses here for anxiety comes from a root word which literally means to divide or separate. This means that it's impossible for us to focus on what God has for us while we're worried about and focused on the future and what it might hold. The term anxiety refers to a spirit of fear, of worry, of apprehension, of doubt about what lies in the future. 
I want you to understand that both Paul and the Philippian people to whom he is writing had, very, had many good reasons to be anxious about their present and future situations. If you read early in the book of Philippians, you learn that these believers, this church in Philippi, was challenged both from without and from within. There were Gentile pagans that were trying to tear the church apart. And there were Jewish, uh, uh, there were Jews that were preaching a false gospel that was seeking to lead the Christians astray. That was just the Christians. Paul, Paul's writing from jail. Paul's writing from jail while being chained to a soldier that is there to guard him 24 hours a day. He's under constant supervision. He's under constant threat of physical harm. So when Paul is writing here about do not be anxious about anything, he means there's lots of reasons to be anxious. You just shouldn't be anxious. See, Paul is echoing here the teaching of Jesus during the Sermon on the Mount in in Matthew chapter 6, verses 24 through 35. In Matthew 6, 30, Jesus actually rebukes the crowd. And he says the reason for their constant anxiety and worry over tomorrow is because of their lack of faith. Why would he do that? It's in our very nature, the very nature that God gave us to be concerned over the future. And many things can happen to us that are worthy of fear. There are plenty of things to fear in the world and painful things that we can experience. However, most of the times when we worry about things, when they finally happen, they're really not as bad as we thought they were going to be. A big part of that is because God gives us the, his grace and peace in our hour of need. So how do I get this grace and peace that God wants to offer? I want you to look back at me, look back with me at our verses here in uh, Philippians 4. And I want you to notice an extremely important word right, stuck right there in the middle of verse 6. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. But, it's a transition word. It's three letters, and we overlook it all the time, right? But doesn't mean anything. No. No, see here in verse 6, but, B-U-T, these three letters give us hope. See, they mean that we don't have to be anxious anymore. See, what Paul is doing is he's moving us out of our seemingly dark circumstances. He's giving us an option, a command. Don't do this, but instead do this. But in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. Notice that. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything. See, prayer is a conversation with our plea directed to and our request made of the God of the universe. 
See, God hears, God knows, he understands, he cares about, and best of all, he responds to the, to the concerns that would otherwise, otherwise sink us in total despair. See, prayer is a general activity. Supplications and requests, well, those are our way of asking for things. Namely, in this case, relief from our anxieties and our worries. The word request here refers to the content of our prayers. Notice that we make requests of God. We don't make demands to God. I want you to look at the words of Psalm 55.22 with me. Psalm 55.22 says, Cast your burdens on the Lord and he will sustain you. Cast your burdens on the Lord. Throw them on him. You don't have to gently walk up and, and very gingerly and carefully place your burdens on the Lord. No. He wants you to just take everything that you've got that's, that's weighing on you and he just wants you to heave it on him. Just cast it on him. You know why? Because he's able to handle it. God wants us to give, give him everything that is causing us worry and trouble because he wants to show us how powerful he is and how much he can sustain us. The promise here is not conditional, but rather certain. We give him our burdens and he sustains us. 1 Peter 5, 7 says it this way, cast all of your anxieties on him because... He cares for you. We can put all of our burdens, all of our anxieties, all of our worries, all of our doubt, all of our fear, we can put that on God because He cares about us. Because He loves us so much. You're not bothering God with, with or complaining to God about your problems. He wants to hear them. He wants to provide relief for you because he loves you, because he cares for you. See, it's the promise of Scripture that God will sustain us and that Paul is telling us that we, when we pray, we should do so with an attitude of thanksgiving. We are to go to God with the anticipation that he will come to our aid. Now, I don't know about you, but when life has me stressed out and my anxiety is in overdrive and I'm thinking about taking a second anxiety pill for the day, and most of the time when, when I'm laying in bed at 3.30 in the morning just staring at the ceiling, just my mind just spinning out of control, thinking about all the things that may eventually happen or, you know, what's going to happen, it's difficult in those moments. It's easy sometimes to remember to pray and to say, God, help me. But gang, let me tell you this. It's difficult to do so with an attitude of thanksgiving. God, thank you for giving me these anxieties because it reminds me that you're in control. Think about it this way. My fear and anxiety are inward focused. It concentrates all of its energy on me and my problems. 
It creates a tunnel vision that fosters a self-centered victim mentality in many instances. This attitude can even be pervasive in our prayer lives. We focus so much on our problems, our requests, that we end up turning God into a cosmic Santa Claus to whom we just make requests. And we, lead, we read our list of desires. The other side of that coin is thankfulness and gratitude. These attitudes are outward and upward focused. This way of thinking broadens our vision and allows us to see more clearly not only what God can do to help my current situation, but what he has already done in my life to help past situations and what he has done in my life to bring me this far. God, I can't get to sleep right now. And I have no idea what the next 12 months of my life are going to be like. But God, you have provided for me this far. And I am just so thankful for that. And you are so amazing. Thank you for your power. So let's go back to the challenging words of Christ in Matthew chapter 6. He insinuates that the reason for their anxiety about the future is because of their lack of faith in God's ability. Look at it another way. Hebrews 11, chapter, or chapter 11, verse 6 says, Without faith, it is impossible to please him, for whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. See, unless we have faith in God, unless we have faith to believe that he wants to sustain us, that he wants to take our burdens... We can't seek after him. And therefore it's impossible to please God. But it's our faith as Christians that makes it so that we can please God and that we can draw near to him and that we can trust him to provide for us. Without the faith to believe that not only God Without the faith to believe that not only God is who he claims to be, but he, he is going to do what he says he will do, we will have nothing. It is through a demonstration of our faith that we can expectantly draw close to God who wants to relieve our burden. Therefore, approaching God in prayer with an attitude of thanksgiving means giving God the glory in everything, making room for him to work, Casting all of our cares on him and letting him relieve us of the weight of this fallen world. As a result of our casting our burdens on our heavenly father who loves us, we receive the peace that passes all understanding. That's what's found in verse 7. That's the reward. We get the peace that passes all understanding. As John MacArthur writes, the real challenge of the Christian faith is not to eliminate every unpleasant circumstance. It's to trust in the good purpose of our infinite, holy, sovereign, powerful God in every difficulty. Those who honor him by trusting him will experience the blessings of his perfect peace. See, that peace of God is one of the secrets to contentment. There once was an, a woman on the island of Tobago that experienced this peace that passes all understanding. 
A short-term missionary on his final day on the field was leading worship in a leper colony. He asked if anyone had a favorite song, and when he did, a woman turned around. He saw the most disfigured face that he'd ever seen. She had no ears and no nose. Her lips were gone, and when she raised his hand, she saw that he saw that she had no fingers. But she asked him, could we please sing, count your many blessings, name them one by one. So the missionary started the song, but he couldn't finish. Someone later commented to him and says, I suppose you'll never be able to sing that song again. He answered, no, I'll sing it again. I'll just never sing it the same way. See, when a follower of Christ can truly grasp the enormity of God's provision for his children, it's then and only then that we can truly find rest and abide in the wonderment of God. That, that's contentment. See, ultimately, contentment is a blessing from God that we receive as a result of our faithfulness in him. It frees us from the world's grip and entanglement so that our spiritual eyes can be opened to the goodness of God. See, contentment births a, spiritual, a teachable spirit in our soul that gives us the freedom to follow at any cost. See, Paul confesses in verse, in verse 11 of Philippians 4 that he had learned in whatever situation he was in to be content. That contentment then caused Paul to state in verse 13, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. See, contentment is a vehicle that God uses to prepare his children for the work that he has planned for them. When we are faithful in our contentment before the Lord, we will be fruitful in our commitment to the Lord. Our tendency is to look for things that will make us content rather than putting the effort in that it takes to learn how to be content. Listen to that again. Our tendency is to look for things that will just automatically make us content rather than putting in the hard work that it takes to learn how to be content. So there's nothing in this life that I can add to it that's going to give me the contentment, the peace that God is offering me. Nothing. I want you to realize that when Paul is speaking of peace here, he's not promising you that once you pray that God's going to take away all of your anxieties, all your fears and worries, and that nothing is ever going to trouble you again. Now hear this. Peace is not the absence of the storm. Peace is the ability to get through the storm. What Paul is promising here is the peace of God, which is able to do and accomplish more far more than our feeble human minds can ever comprehend or understand. It's the peace that passes all understanding. It means that the peace that God is offering you, you will never be able to understand until maybe someday when, when you're in heaven and God decides to explain it to you 
And even then, why does God need to explain things to me? It's not the absence of anxiety or worry or stress or trouble, but instead it's the instrument through which our hearts and minds are guarded against these things. We don't need to struggle to get through life, losing sleep and dealing with the side effects of stress and anxiety on our health. The God of peace offers himself to us to relieve our worries, our doubts, our fears. Therefore, if anxiety is equal here to a fear of the unknown, then the peace that Paul is promising in verse 7 is the contentment to know and trust God through the work of the Holy Spirit that is intimately involved in every aspect of our lives. John chapter 14, verses 1 through 3, paint a beautiful picture of Jesus' love for us. Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and take you to myself, that where I am, you may be also." Jesus is telling us not to be afraid of tomorrow, not to be afraid of the future, because he's already taken care of it. God is the God of tomorrow. He tells the disciples, I'm leaving now and the world is going to treat you really bad. The world is going to hate you because it hated me. And you're going to deal with a lot of rough times and a lot of problems. And people are going to try to kill you. And you're going to deal with a lot of uncertainty in life. But only a, a few short verses later in chapter 14 of, of John, he says, but I am going to leave something behind. I'm going to leave you a legacy, an inheritance. And what is this inheritance? Peace. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give. Let not your hearts be troubled neither let them be afraid. In other words, the peace that Jesus is talking about here is the opposite of anxiety and worry. It's a calmness of spirit that comes when we're in fellowship with God and we can trust him with our tomorrows because he is the one that conquers our fears. Now, at the same time, we have this negative prohibition, do not be anxious for anything. We are reminded in the beginning words of our text this morning, if we look back at Philippians chapter 4, verse 4, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your reasonableness, your gentleness, as another word, be made known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. It's because of the contentment and relief from our anxieties that Christ offers that we can rejoice for the world to both see and hear. See, I can have this spirit that rejoices in everything. That even when the worst of the worst happens and you get the absolute worst crushing news that you could even imagine, that you can rejoice in that. Not because it's bad news, but because God is in control. 
Because you don't have to worry about it. Going a step farther, we can be kind, we can be gentle, we can be reasonable and merciful to those around us. We can encourage one another as Christians. So how do we encourage one another? Well, we point to those around, we point those around us to the one that has helped us find the peace and contentment to make it through our days and nights. Help those around you. Christian or not, saint or sinner, find the one. Help them find the one that has helped you. Help them find the one that can ultimately deliver them from the mental stress and anxiety and anguish that is consuming their lives. Rejoice, dear brothers and sisters, this morning, for our Heavenly Father loves us so much that he wants to wrap his loving arms around you and envelop you with his loving presence and give you the peaceful life of fearless contentment that both gives him glory and gives us rest. Charles Haddon Spurgeon once wrote, all too often we believe we believers watch the gathering clouds and forecast storms and anticipate troubles. Some of us confess that times of depression are coming. We see our businesses slip away and we worry about the future. We worry about our children for we see various tendencies in young people and we worry about the way in which they will go. Our health declines and we wonder what to do when the diseases get worse. Yet the Lord Jesus Christ counsels us, let not your hearts be troubled. Do not fear. Has not God helped you in every plight already? When we cast our cares on the Lord to do as he wills, at no time will he be unkind. He will never put us in the furnace. He will never put us in the furnace unless he tends to purge our dross. And the furnace will never be not one degree warmer than is absolutely necessary. Mercy will always balance misery. Strength will always support burden. The Lord is our friend. He will never be our foe. Cheer up. Do not fear, little flock. Shake off your fears and rejoice. For it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. The road may be tough, but the end is sure. We are going to the kingdom, to a land where all believers will be princes and kings. Take heart. What, difference does it, does, what differences does it make if our accommodations are sparse, if the passages are rough, if the winds are boisterous? There is a kingdom ahead. Let's make the best of this voyage together. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for the promise of tomorrow. That regardless of whether or not it comes, that you're in control. God, that no matter what the future holds for us, we don't have to worry, we don't have to stress, we don't have to fear. God, because you love us enough to take all of that on yourself. 
God, we don't have to delicately place ourselves before you. We just have to come to you and cry out the word help. So God, I pray, my prayer this morning is that if there's anyone here this morning or anyone watching uh, via live stream, God, that is struggling with anxiety and fear, doubt and worry in their lives, God, that they will give that up to you. God, if there's anyone here that has not trusted you with their lives, God, that they would turn that over to you, that they would just give themselves to you in this moment and that they would trust you to be the God of tomorrow. God, I thank you for loving me as much as you do and I thank you for giving me as many chances as you do. God, I thank you for taking away my fear, my doubt, and my worry. And I commit myself and the rest of our service to you. Amen. Thank you for tuning in to the Carl Road Baptist Church podcast. We hope you found something that can be applied to your life today and into the future. You can always watch our past services or see them live on YouTube, Facebook, and our website at www.carlroadbaptist.org. That's Carl with a K A R L roadbaptist.org. If you search YouTube or Facebook, look for Call Road Baptist Church. And don't forget to subscribe or follow us if you are watching via a service that allows that so you can stay up to date and notified when another episode is ready for you to watch or listen to. Thanks again for sharing your time with us and putting in the effort to maintain your relationship with God. Have a fantastic week, and we look forward to growing alongside you in the future with the next episode of the KRBC Podcast.